Okay, well, here we go. Welcome to the show, and I know it's been a while since I've done a podcast, and I don't even know what number this is. I'm willing to bet this is 31, podcast 31. So what have I been up to? Well, I've been actually doing another job that has been requiring me and my time extensively lately because of the coronavirus, which I'm sure you, everyone has been impacted by. Well, uh, I've come up with a little bit more time. My other job has, we'll just say, dried up. I'm still training. I still have clients. I'm still teaching, rather, and I'm training myself as much as I can. So today I was supposed to have a podcast with another guest, and unfortunately it didn't work out, and that's okay. I'm going to reschedule in for in the future, and maybe it'll, I'll even be able to get to uh, record it today. But for the interim, I want to use this time wisely just in case it doesn't work out. So normally what I do when I meet somebody who is a trainer, I will ask them questions, uh, regardless of whether or not it's on a podcast. So in my case, um, I wrote them out. And I wanted to write them out just so that I could have my bases covered. And sometimes when I talk to people or I do client um, or I talk to clients or I talk to potential podcast guests, they get a little bit nervous and they want to know what I'm going to talk about. And I give them very basic questions. Well, um, and normally I don't ask them the way I've written them, but I'm going to... Anyway, pardon the, uh, the sirens. And just one sec here. I'm just going to put my pop filter back on. Okay, so... So normally I ask these questions to people. Um, not always all the time, not all in order, and it's, that none of that really matters. But like I said, I wrote them down, and so I'm going to answer these questions myself. And hopefully you'll get a better understanding of me. So first I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. I am a voiceover artist and also a personal trainer. Actually, I wouldn't even say personal trainer. I'm a fitness instructor, group instructor, and kettlebell specialist, maybe even enthusiast. I'm not sure. What I'd like to do is teach people how to implement kettlebells into their life and other training modalities so that they can learn to get on with their life. There's much more to life than just exercise for most people. Uh, I do things like meditation, uh, guided, guided meditation in particular, uh, among a few other things. You know, I'll give people not diet advice. I tell them what I do. Tell them what works. The people that I'm trying to help would be uh, a lot of young men, single men, single mothers, people who are on their own, a lot of people who don't have time, or people who need the help the most. And maybe you're wondering why I say young men when the obvious uh, converse would be you know, single mothers, you know they need help. But believe it or not, young men also need help. There's a lot of them that grew up without fathers or big brothers or anything like that. And even young women. I'm not, I'm not in uh, that biased. Almost all the advice that I have is universal, but I like to direct it towards young men. I think they really need a lot of help, especially in this day and age where we don't, uh, a lot of men grow up without fathers. Sometimes they grow up without mothers too. And so I want to help them. And that really brings me to the first question, which is what motivates me. And what motivates me is helping somebody. 
I've struggled with that because sometimes I didn't know exactly who needed it, who needed the motivation. There's so much motivation out there. Um, so that's really what motivates me. What also motivates me, um, I can tell you past, present, and future, sort of what I can see is going to motivate me uh, in the future. Anyways, I'm, I don't have a crystal ball. But what did motivate me uh, used to be sex. Sex motivated me. I love women. And I loved women. And that's good. That's what... That was a part of my my growth. Was I needed to overcome that and understand that these things are highly trivial. They're not really attractive, especially as you get older. And it really bleeds into your personality. It makes you fake. You can see on Instagram who's doing it and for why. If you're listening to this and you're on my Instagram, maybe you're one of those people. You know who you are. Showing off your glistening abs in the sun and trying to be deep with your captions. We all know who you are. And you know what? God bless you. I wish you the best. I hope it works out for you. But that doesn't motivate me. What motivates me today is actually helping out, like I said, helping young men, helping um, women who have children, live at home. They don't have time. There's a lot of young professionals who have been told that, uh, given good advice, to target people who have money. They live alone, they don't have time, and they don't like exercising. It turns out that that doesn't really gel with my personality. I like to train people who want to better themselves, not because they have to, but because they want to. So the next question is, how do you provide value? What is your goal for your audience? So what's my goal for my audience and how do I provide value? Oh, wait, one thing. I forgot about the future for what motivates me. What motivates me is that I want to have children. I really do. And I want to make myself as good as I can and cross off some some things off my list that I want to do before then. So these are major things. Uh, I would like to win a competition of some kind. I, I've never really competed in anything because I was either too shy and too much of a pussy to actually commit to something, or I was so competitive that I didn't know how to temper it. And I needed to, I need to learn how to temper that and face loss, things like that. So that's the future. Um, so back to the, we'll go to the question, the next question, which was how do you provide value and what is the goal for my audience? Well, providing value, that's something I've actually been trying to uh, figure out a lot lately. That's another reason why I haven't been posting if you've been following me on Instagram and YouTube. Um, since the COVID-19 outbreak, uh, this pandemic has made me do try to help people with um, Instagram live workouts and doing tutorials and instructionals, things like that, to try to help people. So that's what I've been doing, um, and that's how I've been providing value. But I really want to provide value to the aforementioned people, uh, young men and, and you know single mothers, things like that, people like that. So <laughs> that's what I'm going with. And the goal for my audience is to actually see a difference. I want to help people. Not, I want to do it in mass, but I also get a lot of joy. And I don't use that word often or lightly, but joy for helping somebody out and really seeing a, um, uh, a measurable difference. 
So that's the goal for my audience is to really weed out the people who, who want it and inspiring the people, even if they say they don't, the people who really need the help, the depressed, the anxious, the out of shape, the fat, the ugly, all of them, the sick, the poor. Um, yeah, like I think those people would be the, that'd be the goal is to help out, um, that audience and help them improve their lives and help them realize that they have more control than they think they do. So the next question, do you think that the online world is saturated with motivational and inspirational content? And yes, I do. So that's another part of my goal is to try to cut through the noise. Now, as it looks like now, it's very stagnant. You get a lot of the same shit. A lot of the same shit. You might have some jack dude doing stuff that seem, is seemingly impossible. And it is possible with a lot of work. Most of the people watching those things say they want those things on surface level. But until they realize how much work there is involved, they suddenly realize they don't. And then once they do realize how much time it's taking to do it, they realize that all the other things that they do want to do go by the wayside. Well, I'm a jack-of-all-trades kind of person, and I would like to be able to do multiple things with my life, be somebody who's interesting. I've met a lot of people who their whole life is about is about um, fitness. And you know what? I don't fucking like them. Most of them. They annoy the shit out of me. And I think they annoy the shit out of almost everybody. Almost every party I go to where... Um, I'm the only person who is in very good shape. It becomes obvious. I'm in, a, uh, in, in one small way, I become, well, this is an oxymoron, but uh, in a small way, I become the elephant in the room. Everyone notices the guy who's in really good shape, and suddenly all the questions be, get, get turned into these kinds of things. And I don't like that. There's a lot of people that thrive on that, and I don't like that. And I don't generally like those people either. Mind you, that doesn't mean they're bad people. That doesn't mean my judgment is correct. It just means that I don't generally gel with them. Um, however, once you start working out with them, and you do work out with them, and I can keep up with a lot of them, I do enjoy that. But it's one dimension that I get to know somebody. And maybe, maybe you can get to know somebody quite a bit through that. Maybe you can understand how hard they work, and that gives you... A, cl a clear understanding of their work ethic, and that's not nothing, but it's not everything either, and it's not what I want out of people. What I want is what's most important. Could I trust them around my family, my wife, those kinds of things? I like to have my my life and my personal life and my my the people who I associate with in several circles. And I know lots of fitness people, and I keep them in a certain circle in my life. And most people do this. Anyway, I'm going to go on. So the next question. Uh, do you think there are enough practical tools to use to get people moving and keep moving? So practical tools in this regard for getting people moving and keeping them moving would... Here's the thing. I would say no to answer the question bluntly. There aren't enough practical tools. Now, there's physical tools like the kettlebell or the steel mace or um, Indian clubs, battle ropes, you name it, gymnastics rings. Not in any particular order either. 
Um, but we'll, if we're going to go with um, physical tools, there's definitely enough. There's definitely enough. There's been basics around for hundreds of years, including the kettlebell, including, you know, um, Indian clubs and things of the like. What gets people in shape are full body work movements. There's something to be known about the fitness industry is that there's work involved. It's not fun for the most part. Some people who are enthusiasts enjoy it. I say that those people generally can't deal with stress without it. And that's why they enjoy it. But I'm not a psychiatrist or, sorry, a psychologist, clinical or otherwise. So what's the next question? What are your go-to tools when your chips are down? How do you get back up on the horse? Well, for instance, <clears throat> a micro version of that for me is that I will go and have a day where I binge. And it could be alcohol. It could be sugar. The occasional cigarette. And I don't mean a cigarette on the day. I mean, I'll have friends over and someone will have a pack of cigarettes. And for whatever reason, I'll be absolutely drunk and I can't help but smoke. I don't know why, which is weird because I don't like the taste of cigarettes. I don't like cigarettes at all otherwise. Maybe I just want to look cool. I don't know. But the next day, I end up feeling like 40 pounds of shit in a 10-pound sack. And so I have to get... I have to get back up on the horse because mon come Monday, generally on Mondays, is when I'll start training or teaching. You can't really be, you can't half-ass it and be not uh, enthused when you teach somebody and you can't have a bad attitude when you're teaching yourself either or training yourself. So those are the things, so what I do is um, I'll usually fast. I plan for this fast. I will hydrate like crazy. I will do a minimum of a 16-hour fast on the Sunday. Say I'll have my cheat day on the Saturday. And then the Sunday, I will have uh, my, my fast. And then, of course, I'll eat only things that are healthy, uh, really healthy and very light. Try to get my calories in with very healthy things. And generally, what happens is I poop like crazy. A lot of people get that way. And that's probably the way that I do it in terms of physically. Mentally, what I do, um, let's see. A go-to tool, it's all about the preparation. So I don't do one thing mentally. I don't think to myself, I don't have this eureka moment. What I will do is I'll have everything planned out so that on Sunday or whichever day I'm fasting and trying to recover, I'll have everything done so I don't have to worry about anything the next day. And so I limit my anxiety. And then I'm able to have the clarity of mind to combat whatever thoughts come in, especially after drinking, especially after having lots of sugar. I, get de I have depressive dips. So um, I contemplate those things. I do everything I can um, to, to lift myself up. One thing I will do, sometimes, not every time, is I will do a workout. And I will do a workout that I enjoy the most. Because most of the workouts that I do, on average, I don't enjoy. I do it because I have to. And I could get into that later. But I'll do things like an arm workout. Things that are not going to require 
a full body movement, all my energy, it's focused isolation. I call it a Hollywood workout. I do those things. So that's how I get up back up on the horse. That's that's one way or a few ways. Um, and let's see where I'm at for time here. Okay, so we're about 16 minutes in. Yeah, okay, we've got some time for more questions. Do you believe in time off? And the answer is, hmm, that's a really good question. See, I don't really have my mind made up on that thing. To make a short story long, I don't think there's any one answer. I think there's plenty of answers. So I know that's being very ambiguous. So do I believe in time off? I can't answer definitely. The reason being is because if you take time off, what does time off mean? Does that mean you don't exercise at all? You become a couch potato? If that's the case, then no, I don't believe in that. Do I believe in time off where you have an injury and you don't use a particular muscle group? Yes, I do if you're injured. Um, but that doesn't mean you don't exercise. That doesn't mean you don't move. You can be broken in half. You should still move. You should find any way you can to move. Move whatever you can move. Um, so no, I don't believe in time off. Do I believe in rest days? Yes. But I also believe that for the most part, most of those rest days, you should be doing something, some sort of active recovery, maybe a sport, maybe it's just yoga, maybe just a good stretch where you lay on your back and try to, you know, start there. It always feels good. It's easy to do. And then just grab a, a rope or a strap, pull your leg up, do a nice hamstring stretch and do something. Get your body moving in different ways and challenging your body, your, your range of motion. <clears throat> Excuse me. So do I believe in time off? Yes and no. It depends on the context. So the next question is, what does time off look like to you? I already told you. That's what it looks like to me. Doing something, not doing nothing. Maybe it's catching up on chores. For all you know, you have yard work that needs to be done or you have some something around your house that needs repairing. Maybe you just need to take the garbage out, walk the dog, all of those things. So the next question, what would you suggest a beginner do to relax but not get too relaxed? Well, as I suggested before, it's all in the preparation for me. For me, in order to relax, I have to not have anxiety. And what anxiety is generally is fear of the future. So if I'm not afraid of the future, then I can relax. I'm not anxious. And I can do a number, a, a number of things. Sorry, my nose is getting plugged. So that's what I do to relax. And then to not get too relaxed, well, of course, you have to have some sort of movement in your day. That's a bit of the preparation. Maybe when I wake up on the Sunday, I will do some mobility and just feel that out. Maybe that'll feel great. So that's what I do. Um, the next question, what is your philosophy on dieting and diet? Well, in a word, experimentation. Everything is about experimentation on a personal level. I don't believe in most of the epidemiological studies in that they don't have an accurate testing pool because not everybody is at the same baseline and it's very, very difficult to measure what works for everybody or most people. So even if it works for most, something works for most people, 
you have to question what the baseline is. And of course, context matters. Fads matter. Bias matters. It's very complicated. So one thing that I like to do is pick something you like that seems appealing to you and why. The why is what matters. So for instance, the carnivore diet, seeing as it's a hot topic these days, why would you want to do it? Maybe it's because you get to lose weight. Well, there's definitely definitely calorie restriction in that, and that's another reason why you're going to lose weight. There's also the simplification of what you're eating. You're eating some, the same thing over and over again, and your body is a smart thing. Your subconscious mind and your gut is smarter than you. And so your body's going to be able to use that and give you almost instant feedback. If you're cutting everything out of your diet, you're going to notice how things clear up. Maybe your head clears up. Maybe acne clears up. Maybe you can breathe better. Maybe you can move better. For me, if I don't have carbohydrates, I don't have any joint pain. It's pretty simple. So that's my feedback mechanism. That's my experimentation. Generally, I know how much carbohydrate I can take before I start feeling these pains and aches and getting tight. Um, and of course, there's hydration, things of that nature. So, um, and then my philosophy on dieting and diet. Well, another thing you could do, and that's what I do, this is what I do, is it's seasonal. If you live in a in the northern hemisphere where things are you generally have four seasons depending on how far north um, then you're going to be experiencing cold and heat and you're going to eat differently uh, according to each season so I would say the law of the farm really works with that and so generally in the fall you'll start to eat a little bit heavier uh, and of course with moderation you don't have to do it that way either you know, maybe you don't want to pack on weight in the, in the winter. That's fine. Put on a coat and you'll stay warm. That works. But I would say experimentation is the answer for that. Find out what works for you. Just because somebody else is doing one thing or it's, popu it's popular to do something, that doesn't mean you should do it. That's a really, really bad idea. There's a good expression that I heard from Tim Ferriss, and it goes, there's no such thing as a biological free lunch. And that's true. No matter what you do, it's going to have consequences. That includes your diet. So the next question, and I think this is going to be the last one because I have to get to my client and I'll be running out of time uh, in eight, less than eight minutes. So this is the last question, and it's a good one. What does a good life balance look like to you? And I guess this is a double question. And what advice could you give to anyone trying to achieve life balance? Again, this is a lot like dieting, experimentation. So life balance, people say, okay, what does that mean? Does that mean you have four hours of work and four hours of play? Maybe not. Maybe you only get one hour of play and you have six or seven or eight or nine or 10 hours of work. That's fine. Um, you have to know what you can take. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to live somebody else's life. Meaning if someone's like, dude, I'm on the grind and I work you know, 12 hour days and I don't, I barely sleep and all that stuff. And you go, yeah, well, there's a good chance you're going to, you could burn out. And do I want that for myself? No, I don't. However, you're not going to know what that point is for you if you don't try. Balancing your life out is, is complicated. It takes a long time, a lot of, um, a lot of studying of yourself in order to know what you can and should do for you.
you have to have wisdom in order to accept things about yourself and about what you're willing to do and what you want, your goals, your desires. For me, that's like I said, I'm a more of a jack of all trades kind of guy. I'm not a master kind of guy. I'm not some, somebody that does one thing. I like, I really enjoy life. So for me, I say cultivate the ultimate currency, which is time. And do what you want to do according to you. I like to ask myself when I want to do something, do I want to do it because somebody else that I like and I'm influenced by does it and they say it's a good idea? Or am I doing it because it's what I want to do and it's going to benefit me? It's going to benefit my family. It's going to benefit my community. Is it going to benefit my, my country, my province, wherever I am? Is it going to influence people to be more positive and do better for them? without telling them they have to do exactly what I did. Everyone's got a different path to the same peak. We're all trying to die the best way possible. So, okay, maybe I answered that a little bit. Oh yeah, maybe I'll get to that double part of that question. And what advice could you give to anyone trying to achieve life balance? Experiment, take your time, observe yourself. Forgive yourself, love yourself, all of that. And try to achieve life balance. It's not doesn't have to be a circus act. If everything feels like a circus act, it could be because you're balancing a lot of responsibility, and that's fine. And those things will smooth out. They always do, provided you keep going in the same direction. And then you're going to hit a plateau, and then you'll adopt more responsibility, and then you'll get the circus act all over again. But you have to cultivate the ultimate currency. Money can't buy time. Nothing buys time except for your hard work trying to cultivate it. And that gives you the time to do the things you want to do that are going to enrich your life. Whatever that means to you. I have no idea. Maybe you're um, a gas-powered dildo collector. I don't know. It could be any of those. I know that sounds disgusting. And for anybody who's listening to this... um, who was hoping this would be a squeaky clean kind of podcast. I'm not a squeaky clean guy in any way. (sighs) Although I'm sure my voice sounds kind of vanilla. It's one of those days. But anyway, thank you very much for listening to me. And next week I'm going to have uh, a guest on, hopefully. Hopefully I don't get, uh, well, I'll just say it didn't work out very well this time, but that's okay. I enjoy doing this. And if it doesn't work out again, I'll do another one with other questions. Have a great day and I wish you all the best.